exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. And welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. I am your host, as usual, Alex Sharg, here for your your daily radio show. Coming up at the show at 7.05, we have MSU football player expectations. What's going to go on with this team this year? At 7.20, we have uh, some MSU big men talk. What's going to go on with this basketball team? Who is going to step up? 7.25. Tiger trade deadline. Who is going where? What the what do the Tigers need to do? Who do they need to trade for? At 7:40, NHL talk and free agency talk. Is Dominic Hasek making a return? We will talk about that at 7:40. At 7:50 today, Minnesota is now allowing sale of alcohol at all of their sporting events and their football games. Is that a good thing? We will talk about that at 7.50. And of course, at 7.55, it is our usual goons of the week. And we have a couple goons this week, of course. So we will get to that in a second. But to start off the show, I have one of my very good friends to my left, Anthony Serafino, an avid hockey f- an avid baseball fan. Excuse me. Don't want to miscorrect that. <laughs> Right. And and he is is an avid baseball fan, straight out of New Jersey, Glenrock, New Jersey. But the thing about being from Glenrock, New Jersey, is this guy is a Mets fan. So, Anthony, I do want to welcome you to the show. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today, yep. and I appreciate your insight. Oh, yeah, you know, really good to be here. I'm really excited. Um, yeah, I'm ready to get started. That's right. That's right. And of course, we always start off the show with our question of the week. Mm-hmm. And what what that means is for those of you who are listening, and it's and if it is your first time tuning in. This is how the question of the week works. Each question, we have a question that we ask the listeners, and you have to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. Again, that's at 89FM Sports Rap. You have to tweet the answer to, to the question we ask on the show, and in future weeks, you will have the opportunity to maybe win some future prizes, That whether that be a gym membership, maybe some eating coupons. We will see in future weeks. But the question this week is... With the United States playing Brazil tonight in the Olympics, the big Summer game. Olympics, Anthony, you know it's a very big game. Very big game. We, this is this is a very big game, but the Dream Team starting lineup from the 1992 Olympics, who was on that Dream Team? And the reason that is our question of the week is because we are going to compare the 1992 Dream Team to this team this year in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Which team do we think is better? We will, we will explain each starting lineup and why later in the show, but... The question of the week, you need to name the starting lineup with positions and players Mm -hmm. from that 1992 Dream Team. So if you know the answer to the 1992 Dream Team question, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Wrap what you think the answer is. And you are also allowed to call into the show, 517-432-3893. Call into the show. You could also answer the question of the week on the air. We will ask you the question if you do decide to call in. So that is another option that you have. So, besides for our question of the week, we're starting off right away. MSU football expectations. Let's go. A very good friend of ours, Stephen Brooks, just wrote an article about several MSU athletes who are on the list for future college football player awards. Headlining those lists, we have, for the Jim Thorpe Award, Johnny Adams and Isaiah Lewis. For the Buckus Award, we have the Nikos Allen and Max Bullock. 
For the Outland Trophy, we have Chris McDonald. For Lou Groza, which is the best kicker, Dan Conroy. The Mackey Award, which goes to the best receiving tight end, Deion Sims. Now, the Maxwell Award for the best college player in the country, our very own Le'Veon Bell makes that list. So we're going to talk about that That's in big. a second. Very big. And for the and for the Benaric Award, we have three. We've got Golston, Johnny Adams, and Max Bullock again. And capping it off for the Bronco Nagurski Award for also a good defensive player, we have Will Golston, Johnny Adams, and Max Bullock. So, to start off the show, Anthony. Yes. Which of these players has the best chance of winning an award and why? Well, let's not take anything away from the, all these guys on this list. You know, these yeah. are all great players. This program has a lot of expectations. No cupcake program anymore for Sparty. Sure. No, this is, this is you know, a big year for us and a statement year. All those players are exceptional. That being said, we can talk about Will Golston all day, how this guy can sack anyone in the country. Deion Sims, being through what he's been through, great receiving tight end. But if we're really going to analyze who has the best chance to win an award, why not pick Dan Conroy? Why not pick a kicker who's won games for this program? Big perceptions, big plays that we need. You know, I like this guy, Dan Conroy, to win an award. He had a great year last year. I know, kind of a setback from his 14 for 15 year as a freshman. You know, as a sophomore, he's 20, you know, 17 for 23. I like this guy. He won big games. Big kick against Ohio State, 52-yarder in the rain. That You yeah. know, yep. that's a big kick. You know, he won this game, you know, for our program, Outback Bowl. How big was Marty Antonio going to win a bowl? Guy, yep. Talk about the talk of him not winning a bowl game. That talk is now diminished. Dan Comeroy, he's a big play. Special teams does matter, Alex. I'm taking them. No, I, I do see that. But the thing about that, they, he does make big plays. I can definitely big agree plays. on that. Dan Conroy has time and time again bailed out this Michigan, t- this Michigan State football team Absolute. in desperate need. But the thing about Dan Conroy, as good of a kicker he is, for me, with this team, this is a defense-first team. You look at the Absolute. quarterback. Yep. They lose Kirk Cousins. Andrew Maxwell, the rookie, you know, he's coming in. It's his first year starting. And for me, as, as, as good as Dan Conroy is, yes, they are going to have to rely on Dan Conroy many mm-hmm. times this season. But for me, as much as this team is a defense-first team, yeah, they did lose Greg Jones in the middle. Max Bullock did step in. But for me, it's Will Golston. I mean, this guy, and when you look at the defensive player for the Benaric Award, this guy's up for three awards. So the reason I chose Will Golston is, one, because of how many different awards he's up for. But also, you look at pro potential. And for me, this, this guy's a sack machine. And with his frame, with his body, with his size, there's no way any NFL team is not going to want to pass up on this guy. So for me, I'm going to say Will Golson, and he's going to win the award over Dan Conroy. It's a safe pick. No, it, it's, a, it's a very safe pick. But to be honest, I think Dan Conroy is even a safer pick. I mean, okay. he hasn't missed a free throw. He, has, he hasn't missed an extra point opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did, mix, he did miss six field goals last season. But overall, yes, I think it, it, it may be a little weird to say, but I think he anchors this offense. Okay. In some ways. But, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, this is what I say. I think, you know, Conroy being a safe pick, that's understandable. I mean, he's a kicker. The guy's out on the field. The guy's on the field maximum two plays, really, in a series. If you kick off and you kick a field goal. I agree with you. Will Golson is going to be a key point. You know, you take out Jarrell Worthy. Who's that going to be on that D-line? Who's right. going to make noise? It's Anthony Richard White going to make noise. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, we have our separate opinions. Right. But Will Golston, this guy is a tank. I'm going to agree. We are a defense-first team. We've always been defense-first. Sure. This is Big Ten football, baby. You know what I'm saying? So defense-first, I agree. Will Golston, if he stays this year, you know he's going to have a dominant year. Yeah, right, if right. he stays, we're not even talking about awards. We're talking about All-American. We're talking about how good is this kid going to be? Because this kid has a ceiling through the roof. Sure. 
So it's a safe pick. You know, I like Will Golston too. It's a better pick. Sure. Well, let's go to the phones and let's see if someone has a better, you know, a better answer for let's the both of us. You are on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Who, which Spartan is going to take over and win a football award this year? Alex? Yeah, is this Elmo? This is Elmo from Detroit. How you doing? Elmo, what's going hey, on, nice man? Nice to meet you, Elmo. Uh, nothing much. I'm going with Will Golston, baby. Yeah, why Will Golston? The guy's the king. The guy's going to be the king of the road. He, he's going to lead the big ten of tackles, sacks, everything. Okay, all right, fair enough. Well, I mean, Elmo, look at a guy like Dan Conroy. He's helped this Michigan State football team on and on again. Little Giants. Little <laughs> Giants, yeah. But but is there anyone else on this roster besides from maybe a Will Golson? Do you see maybe the tight end Deion Sims maybe winning a receiver of the year award? Maybe is it a, a Chris McDonald guy who hasn't missed a game all last season? Maybe on Bell even? You know, yeah. Maxwell? Uh, you know, I hate to say this. I, think, I don't think so. I think uh, Michigan State might be in a little trouble this year. Hmm. Um, I, I just don't think they have the, the talent to win the Big Ten. Yeah, but besides for winning the Big Ten, we're, we're, co- we're concentrating straight on awards. So, like, besides for the fact that they may not have the talent, I mean, do you see this team finishing in the top three if, if you're saying that they're not going to do well? No, I do not see them in the top three this year. Unfortunately not. Interesting. All right, Elmo, I, I really appreciate you calling in. We're going to talk about your prediction you just made in just a second here. So stay tuned, Elmo. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Take care. Of course. So, Anthony. Elmo comes on and says they're not going to do well this year. We have our choices for Will Golson and Dan Conner. Okay. Those are the two players we think are going to win the two award. Two good players. Now, this is, comes a very important topic. The breaking down of the games and predictions for the year. So, Fina. Talk to me. How many games is this team going to win? And I look at the schedule, Alex. I really look at the schedule up and down. I'm looking at a tough game. This is the Big Ten. I respect Elmo's opinion completely. But I'm going to have to politely disagree. I mean... To be honest, to say that you know Michigan State is not a top three program in the Big Ten right now, right now, gonna have to politely disagree. But you know, and if I'm looking at our schedule, it's a tough schedule. But I'm gonna argue that some of our some of our bigger games come in Spartan Stadium, a place that Michigan State has not lost in two years. They're 14 and 0 in the last two years at Spartan Stadium. Right. Under the lights, last two years, they're undefeated. You know, that being said, I'm gonna say Michigan State wins 11 out of their 12 games, 11 and wow. one. That's a big statement. Very big statement. And, and, and you say defense first, off that defense. So so you really think, you know, that, that this defense this year is going to hold up for 11 wins? Absolutely. I mean, why not? They return the most guys on that side of the ball than the offense. I think we're talking about gritty games at Spartan Stadium. This team can win. Let's look at their schedule, Alex. You know, they have Boise or opening up. That's home. Notre Dame, that's another big game. That's home. Ohio State, you said a game that could potentially lose. That's at home. You know, when you look at a game like Iowa, Iowa always gives Sparty problems. We could talk about that mm-hmm. all day. You know, that game's at home. Even Nebraska, a team that we struggled with last year, that's at home. I mean, if you say they can lose more than a game, it'd be on the road for sure. So let me ask you this. We are at home, and I know you were talking before the show, the one loss you think is Wisconsin. West Camp Randall's just too tough of a place to play. Now let me ask you. Michigan State has beaten Michigan so many times over the last four years. Mm-hmm. So this year, they're in Ann Arbor. You still see them winning that game? You, to be honest, I really do. I really do because I don't think Michigan, you know, they're still, you know, Brady Hoke has done a phenomenal job with this. You know, this is a BCS. We can talk about the BCS controversy, you know, all about. But this team did win a BCS Bowl. They won the Sugar Bowl. Michigan is a very good opponent. You know, that being said, 110,000 at that game, screaming Wolverine, Wolverine fans. 
I think it's doable that Sparty goes into Ann Arbor, goes into the big house, and wins. I really do. Mm. And I think that's a key position. Michigan State can rattle Robinson. And I think that is a key. How they play Denard. Do they spy him? Does Bullis spy him? Do they blitz six? How do they do it? Do they cover to him? Can, how can this right. guy read? Well, if you remember last year, Greg Jones completely Two shut year, him down. Two years, completely shut him down. But with him gone this year, did you see Max Bullock? And Will Golson, don't get me wrong. This last, guy, yeah. last year, he, 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 he rushed Denard Robinson so hard. But beside for Will Golson, do you see Max Bullock having that same impact that Greg Jones had against Denard Robinson? I think that's an unfair comparison. I mean, Greg Jones is just a one-of-a-kind player. I mean, this guy wins a Super Bowl in his first year. I know he's a reserve with the G-Men, but he won a Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl guy. Right. You but, know? but with that said, though, you, you said that he is a one-of-a-kind guy. I, I do agree with that. He's a monster. But since he's a one-of-a-kind guy, you think they're going to have the same effectiveness against Denard Robinson? I mean, absolutely. I think Denard's the kind of, you know, the kind of QB that you got to rattle him. I think if you want to talk Michigan being a serious threat against Michigan State, right. I think it's next year when they put Gardner in, when they really run that pro. You're limited with Denard. You're running that pro. With Denard, the guy, he runs a spread offense. He can't do it. And I think Michigan State takes their fifth year in a row beating Michigan. I see it. I just see it. I think Michigan, you know, they ha- you know, take away nothing from that program. They're probably going to win maybe nine, ten games this year. I really do. Okay. I like what they've done. But you know what? I can't see him being Michigan State this year. No, fair opinion. But if you have an opinion that Fino and I don't match, please one go. win, one loss, three losses, what is it? Feel free to call in. 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. How many games will this MSU football team win? Feel free to call Please or tweet at us at 89FM Trap. And again, for those of you who are just tuning in, our question of the week is, what, would the, what was the starting five on that 1992 Dream Team? So if you know the answer to call that in. question, call in, tweet at us at 89FM Trap. Please tell Fino and I that, that we are not idiots and we know our sports. So We know them. So but going back to this schedule, though, I, I want to I break this down game by game because— You said three losses. I said three losses. So I, I, What are your three losses? So I'm, I'm going to go down by down and, and show you what the three I think. Michigan State, out, out of the last six years, they've been notorious for winning their first game. Regardless, regardless when it was Boise State— Or Cupcake Youngstown. Or Youngstown. I mean, the first game, Michigan State does a generally good job. And under the lights— I think with that first game, and, and, and I know it is Boise State. Boise State obviously is notorious for upsetting teams, even proven with their history, even with their coach leaving. But regardless of this Boise State team, I, I just see them still winning under the light. So that's the first game that I'm going to say they do win. But in terms of losses, these are the three losses that I see. I'm going to say Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Michigan. And you may be asking, do you think they're going to beat Wisconsin? You know, Wisconsin's, you know, you even compared them earlier. Like, you know, they got Danny O'Brien this year, Wisconsin. He's like a Scott Tolson almost. Right, right, right. So the reason I'm going to say Wisconsin is because last year, when we played in that bowl in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. this team knew what, it take, knew what it took to beat Wisconsin. I mean, I saw all these players tweeting after the game that they knew they should have had it, that, that they really they really did, they drew everything up in order to beat Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Mark, Mark D'Antonio, for himself, knew that his team should have beat Wisconsin. Yeah, they did have the unlucky punt return, the penalty, all you that. You know, they had a couple of things, but that's football. Things don't go your way. Sure, sure. But the reason I'm going to say they beat Wisconsin this year, and yeah, it's their first time playing in Wisconsin, but I'm just going to say Mark D'Antonio has their coach red. And I think that... As bad as this team may appear with Andrew Maxwell, you've got to look at a team like Wisconsin, who lost Russell Wilson, their starting quarterback, yeah. a very similar situation when we lost Kirk Cousins. So I think with both quarterbacks a little shaky, you know, two new starting quarterbacks, 
I think it's going to come down to defense. And when I look at Wisconsin's defense and comparing it to Michigan State, I'm going to say our defense is better. Oh, I, I, I mean, I totally agree with that one. I totally agree with that one. But, you know, one thing that Michigan State has always baffled me, every year, they always lose one game they should have had. Yeah. Can we agree with that sure, one? Sure, sure. Every year. You know, we can talk about the Big Ten Championship game and they should have had it. You know, last you know last year, you know, so many games they should have had. They go to, they go to Notre Dame. You know, they get smoked. What is it, 31-13, they lose. Sure. They, sh- they should have that game. But what I disagree with, with you, lo- we, we, you know, having us lose three games, I can't see Michigan State, who hasn't lost a home game in two years, I can't uh, see him losing two in a season. Yeah, but the same thing applies to you I know, just can't see. any college football stadium who, who has a win streak of games. I mean, we've seen Appalachian State beat Michigan. We've seen all these upsets and even big-time mm-hmm. football games, even under the lights. So for that reason, what is it even about an Ohio State that you see them beating? Well, you know, here's the thing with Ohio State. You know, two words, Urban Meyer. It's simple that. You know, Urban always has his guys ready to play. So even if Ohio State is banned through the roof, they can, you know, they can't compete in the Big Ten championship game, cannot win the division. You know, they're banned from, you know, the postseason. So even though Ohio State, they don't have a lot to play for, but they do at the same time. So, you know, what? that's a fair statement. And we squeaked by them last. We squeaked. Well, it was 10-7. We squeaked by them. I think that's going to be a fair game that, you know, if we lose a game, Maybe, just maybe I can see Ohio State, but that game's gonna come down to Braxton Miller. How does Braxton Miller sure, play? You're sure. talking about we're talking about Denard against this D. Right. Who's better? Denard or Braxton Miller? That's right. And I wanna actually make this point as well. And and with what you just said, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Denard. But I agree. Before we get to that, this conference this year, this Big Ten conference, seems to have so many new quarterbacks coming in. It's true. And and when you look at this conference, I mean this might be a bold statement to say, but I would say that Michigan is the favorite right now. Whoa. Out of this conference. But and, why? Let me ask you, why do you and, see that? And the reason for this is, is just mainly because of their experience. You look at all the teams in the Big Ten that are contenders. You look at Wisconsin. You look at Michigan State. You look at Ohio, you look at Ohio State. All of these teams are slowly restructuring quarterbacks. As much as offensive line does matter, I'm going to say that with Michigan, they still have the receivers coming back. Most of their offensive line is coming back, and they do have their quarterback, who is so used to the system by now. He's had three years to work on the new system. So with that reason alone, I'm going to say they're the favorite. I mean, what favorite is there in your eyes? I mean, to me, I don't even think there's a clear-cut favorite right now. You, it's The Big Ten right now is just so hard to predict. I mean, beside the, you know, the SEC is just another animal. That's practically NFL football. Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay? But with the Big Ten, who do I see? I mean, Nebraska's always good. You know, Rex Burkhead, you know, Taylor Martinez. Two years ago, Taylor Martinez, this guy was electric last year, average. Right. Rex Burkhead carrying the load. He's got something to prove. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got something to prove, and he's a senior this year. You know, the black shirt, that black shirt defense, you know, Nebraska, they always look to play. So I see Nebraska's competitive, Wisconsin's competitive, Michigan's competitive. Ohio State, I still think they'll be competitive, but they're a non-factor, let's be honest. And I, I, I honestly think if we look at it, not being biased, I think there's three teams that can win this win this conference. I, I agree with you on Michigan. Sure. I would say Wisconsin, too. But Lima always has his guys ready to play as well. And I think Michigan State has to be there. They return at almost everyone from their defense. Mm-hmm. They lose Worthy. That's a big loss. We can agree. Sure. But I think it has to be, you know, no, let's say Northwestern, Minnesota, Indiana. These are non-factors. I mean, sure. Illinois. These guys are non-factors. So, no, I, they are non-factors. But if you had to pick one team, are there any non-factor teams that you see that could potentially get close to beating Michigan State this year? Iowa. 
Iowa. Why, why is Iowa? Because, and I say Iowa, is because, you know, they lose a couple guys. They lose McNutt, and McNutt was great. One of their best sure. receivers. He's you know, phenomenal. You know, he, he was phenomenal. And, um, you know, they lose they lose a couple of their guys, you know, but they're always competitive. They always will slip in and steal a game. That's Iowa for you. Iowa, Sakinic Stadium is electric. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing with the Big Ten. It is home field. And we talk about home turf all the time, Alex. You know, you and I would go back and forth on this. Home turf is everything in the Big Ten. And, and even college football, to that matter, it does matter quite significantly. It does. It really does. Well, let's go to the phone and see what someone else has to say about this Michigan State football team. You were on 89 FM Sports Rap. You were on 89 FM Sports Rap. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Who do you think? How many games do you think this team's going to win this year? This Michigan State football, football team. Of course. Who is this calling, by the way? Is this Stephen Brooks? It is. Stephen, my man. What's going on? What's going on, man? So, Steven, um, out of this, out of all these games this year, what what games do you say they're going to lose? What's going to be the record for this Michigan State football team? Uh, what are we looking at? Uh, 12 games, 11 games? I don't know We're looking at a 12-game schedule. 12-game schedule. Okay. Man, that's, uh, it's rough. I don't think uh, – I think there's some toss-ups. But like you guys said, you know, a lot of the Big Ten is unproven. Sure. You know? Yeah, that's what you said. Uh, a lot of it's unproven, so – and you've got question marks with, like, Ohio State. You've got question marks with Notre Dame, really, as far as where they'll be at. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think um, as far as MSU season is concerned, I think it comes down to uh, the Michigan game on the road, honestly. It's, right. Uh, yeah, uh, we, from, we uh, from a culture of the program standpoint, from, a, from this season standpoint, you know. So getting that fifth win would be huge. And then considering it's on the road and considering they'll be probably the biggest competition on the, uh, as far as in the conference. I think, you know, I think that has to be the deciding, the deciding game right there. Yep. Sure. Well, I, I do have to ask you, Stephen, because if you listened earlier, we did talk about the article you just wrote for the State News explaining which players are up for the preseason, you know, uh, preseason watch list. We do have quite a few of MSU players. I said Will Golson. Uh, Anthony said, um, excuse me, Fino said, <laughs> said, uh, I said Conroy. I said Diane Conroy, but... Who in your mind, Stephen, the man who wrote the article himself, which of these guys the man himself. do you see winning one award? Um, yeah, just let me preface everything by saying, you know, these are strictly my opinions. This doesn't reflect the state news in any way. Right. Absolutely, but, absolutely. You know, um, I don't, like, are you saying which has the best chance? Which yeah. one the yeah, best who has the best chance to win an award out of the guys that you wrote the article? Oh, yeah, well, I'd say, I would say the best chance is clearly Golston. You know, like I said, mm-hmm. I think, you know, like the guy is, is built in the mold of you know, Mario Williams, the Daquan Bowers, just of the dominant defensive ends we've yeah. had in college football the last five Daquan Bowers, years. Wow. He's built in that mold. Um, he, took a, he took a lot of steps forward at the end of last season. He wreaked havoc on Georgia's offensive line, which, you know, uh, going against the left tackle and Cordy Glenn that I know was drafted. And, they couldn't uh, block him. A lot, of, a lot of high regard. So, like I said, you know, he just uh, – if you can take this, if you can take this season, take the next step forward, then I would say he easily has the best chance. I mean, we could be talking top ten, top five NFL picks with his potential. That's not making any guarantees or anything like that, but strictly from a potential right. standpoint, literally right. the sky is the mm-hmm. limit. Right. No. No. You made some great points, but I also want to ask you the last question before we go here. What is it for Will Golson that's going to make or break him this year? Is it his composure on the field? Is it going to be? Is it going to be really himself anchoring the line? Like, what does he have to do? What's going to be his biggest enemy for getting for winning that award and being that best chance of winning? His biggest enemy. I might. I might just say it's going to be you know 
himself, you know, yeah. is he ready to become that man? Is he ready to become, you know, is he ready to be on the highlight reel as Sports Center opens up? Is he ready for people, you know, in the in the depths of the country, like in New Mexico, to know his name? You know, like, true. is he ready to be on the national spotlight? That's that's what I would say. Uh, the composure thing is a non-factor as far as I'm concerned. I know him personally. You know, not to sound like Stephen A. Smith or something, but you know, it's, <laughs> skip he's, not, he's not that guy. He's not that guy. You know, that was a whole. That was an isolated incident. I don't expect anything like that. I, don't, I think it's unfair for people to expect anything like that. I think it's unfair for people to, uh, you know, pigeonhole him as some kind of dirty player or anything like that. I don't think he's dirty. Sure. But, I mean, yeah, I'll just say maybe expectations. You know, these right. are people like me out here saying, you know, he's going to get double-digit sacks, potentially be a hugely successful draft pick. But I think that's about the thing because literally uh, I don't know what else is standing in his way. He's, uh, he's got the physical tools. He's got, you know, he's got the support on the D-line, which is which is something not a lot of people look at. Anthony Rashad White comes back. He's going to take up some blockers. Marcus Rush on the other side, I think, is going to have a huge year benefiting from the attention that Golston gives. So, and then they got Tyler Hoover, I'm pretty sure, they're throwing in there, who is the ex-defensive end. Yeah, they're throwing him in there. Yep. Converted, uh, converted to a nose tackle. I think his athleticism is underrated and uh, should, should help that defense a lot, you know. So I would just say... I guess maybe just uh, failing to live up to the expectations that everyone's just not getting around to placing on him, but... Sure. I can't see anything really stopping him. Yeah. Right. For those of you just tuning in, we do have MSU State News sports writer Steve. We do have Stephen Brooks here on yep. the line. So, Stephen, I appreciate you taking the time to call in and speak with us on your predictions this year. Um, best luck to you this summer. I know you got a lot of plans going on, and I know you're very busy with the state news as well. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, guys. Of course. Yeah, take care, Stephen. Thanks. Of course. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. If you want to call in, 517-432-3893. We are moving on from MSU now. We're going to talk a little bit of baseball, Detroit Tigers, trade deadline talk. But if you do want to answer our question of the day as well, tweet at us at 89FM Sports Wrap. Again, at 89FM Sports Wrap. Or you can also call in and tell us your answer. And the question for today, again, was who were the starting five? with positions and player names of the 1992 Olympic Dream Team. So who gets it? We'll see who gets it you know, first. It's a, it's a good question. It's a very good question. Like so we'll it. see, especially with the game coming on tonight, we'll see what happens and who's going to tweet at us first. But, Anthony, moving on now. Mm-hmm. The Detroit Tigers. Tigers baseball. Tigers baseball. It's going summer. on with that club. It's going on with that club. <laughs> yeah. So with the trade deadline looming, of course, the end of July, there's a lot of discussion right now. With this Tiger team, and mm-hmm. you being, you know, not from the state, you, you do state. have a lot of knowledge about this Tiger yes. team. But what is it that this Tiger team needs? We talked about it a little bit about it last week. There was maybe some discussion about a second pace. Now it's slowly moving to pitchers. A lot of Rumorville. Yeah, ESPN even outfielders are rumored for. Right. So, so what in your mind is the best move for the Tigers? Okay. Well, Tiger fans, I'll tell you this right now. Um, your offense is probably second to none up there with one of the best offenses in the American League. I think the Tigers now they're rolling at the right time. You know, big you know big wins. They're going with a huge winning streak. You love what the Tigers yeah, are doing. Yeah, Austin Jackson has scored a run in thirteen. I mean, he had a leader. Yeah, this guy, this guy is a great. I mean, we watch all. You know, every Tiger fan gets horror. You know, horror flashes when they watch Granderson, all the great plays make for the Yankees. But you know what? Austin Jackson has been superb. This guy hits leadoff home runs. This guy hits for average. This guy has speed. This guy covers a great center field. This guy's a very good prospect. The Yankees gave up to get Granderson. Now the Tigers are seeing the return. But to answer your question. Who, what, what do I personally think the Tigers, you know, what they need to do? I mean, their second base situation is atrocious, let's be honest. Rayburn is batting 171, Santiago 221, so they get no production from their second baseman. Um, you know, I look at their rotation, okay? I sit and I look at the rotation, Alex. I see Verlander. 
I see Scherzer, who's having a great unexpected year, striking out everyone. Okay, Would you, would you say unexpected, though? I would say unexpected. Would you expect Scherzer to strike out this many guys? Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily strike out, but I would cons- I would definitely consistently say that he he's would, so up and down. He would have a 13-win year. But I think 13-year for Scherzer is not what he's looking for. I think 13-year for Scherzer, that's something, if he's your two, you're not looking for 13 wins out of your two. That that's that that's my point. So you know, feeding off what you said with Scherzer, you know, I think the Tigers really need a pitcher. I think they need a starter. I think that's what they need to really compete in this home stretch. Go out, Dombrowski. Hope you're listening. Get a starter for us. I mean, get this team a starter. They're talking to Dempster right now. They inquired about Garza. You know, these are guys that they can really maybe not give up their top prospect, Castellanos, Turner. They don't have to give up their top prospects. But guess what? They can look into it and they can acquire Dempster. So many teams are acquired for Ryan Dempster. The guy's throwing scoreless innings. You know, this is something I really like the Tigers to acquire. Some started to really make a push to show their fans. Tigers can compete. We know that. But they need a starter, Alex. What do you think? Come on. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see your point. They do need a starter to get back in that in that rotation. But but the thing is about a starter is that when you're acquiring, I mean, the starter that you are discussing is probably very dominant, correct? Well, Ryan Dempster, he's a solid guy. You know, he's a solid. He's he's the Cubs one, but the, you know, for to be the number the Cubs number one is not so. No, of course. But but any any pitcher that the Tigers do trade for, they it, it has they have to be dominant. Yeah, of course they need a, so, they need a solid three. So the thing about that is that when you're training for for a dominant pitcher, you got to look at this farm system. You've got the top prospect prospects in Jacob Turner and Nick Castellanos at third, both in Double A Erie. But the thing about the Detroit Tigers organization is. A lot of their farm system players have already maxed out, and and of course there are still a couple guys in that system. There's a couple. They got a couple. They've got a couple guys. But the thing about training for a dominant pitcher is that I just don't think they have all the trade, all the trade, all the trade materials that they would need to acquire a Ryan Dempster or, or a Cole Hamels. And when you're when you're trading, and yeah, their, their second base situation is atrocious. It's atrocious. Yeah. But but when it comes to second baseman, I look for the Tigers to maybe look at a guy who's who has a high contract year, maybe towards the peak of his career, maybe in his mid thirties. Uh, there are many, there are many second basemen. I know you're smiling right now. You know what I'm gonna. You well, know what I'm gonna the say. thing about a second baseman who who is already peaking towards his career and, and going, you know, slowly down is that I think you can get him pretty cheap. And when you're looking at the Tigers' farm system, I I don't think they need to offer up much for for a second baseman who. And yeah, that's gonna help their team immediately. And I agree, a starting pitcher would be maybe a little bit better, but. Overall, I'm just going to say the second baseman. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they need a second baseman. Let's be honest. I mean, but who do you acquire at your second base? What's that market? You know, when you look at the starting pitching market, so many teams. I mean, with the second wild card, how many teams are in it? Four teams in the American League are under 500. Everyone else is in it. You know, if you look at eight, seven teams are within two games of each other in that wild card race in the American League, it is super competitive. If the Tigers do not win the division, they are not making the playoffs. We know that. So that being said, you look at starters. Shields is out there. You know, we mentioned Garza. You know, we mentioned Dempster. But, you know, even someone like Shields or you even mentioned the bomb, Cole Hamels. You know, these are someone you got to look for. There's a market out there for those starters. Where's the market for second base? Where are you going to see production at a second base? You talked about Pasito Polanco. That's like your boy. (laughs) That's your boy. But, you know, what are you going to get right now? I mean, I think at second base, it's a pretty bland market. Well, look at a guy like Marco Scudero. This guy's hitting 275. Okay. He's 36. He has played on many teams, but... This is a guy that is on the trade block that you could get for, you know, not too much of a price. And and a guy like Scudero playing on a team at, at Colorado who 
necessarily isn't in the best playoff contention right now, I think that could maybe be a little good option. But before we continue with our talks about trade deadline, we are going to jump to a quick break here at 88.9. We will be right back. And this is Alex Sharg, Anthony Serafino. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. We'll be back in a second. You're listening to Impact Exposure. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on The Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. Gentlemen, want to hear our specials? Sure. First, we have the seafood special. It's been sitting around here for a week. We're known around these parts for our food poisoning. Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. It's called A1C, a simple blood test that can help measure your risk of complications such as heart attack. To find out more, go to www.diabetesa1c.org. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. And welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Alex Sharg with my guest of the day, Anthony Serafino, going by Fino, everybody. So for those of you who are tuning in, he does go by Fino. And why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about that for a second? Well, I mean, it's it's, it's crazy that you brought it up because, you know, being an out-of-state student, not really from the roots of Michigan, no one really knew where it really came from. But actually, you know, when I was in elementary school, a lot of my good friends, they called me my Fino. It was just <laughs> a lot of Anthony's actually in my, uh, in my class. So they always wanted to, everyone wanted to be special really in first sure. grade, right? Everyone wants to stand out. Everyone wants a cookie. <laughs> so um, really it just came down to uh, I was Fino from uh, first grade on. It just really has stuck. So I've just gone by Fino ever since. So. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. But, but Fino, back to this trade deadline talk that mm-hmm. we were discussing before the break. You're saying the starting pitching, and, and I'm saying they could acquire maybe a veteran second baseman. But okay. back to starting pitching. Let's say they do look at a guy like Ryan Dempster. There, there's a guy, I mean, wh- first of all, which guy do you see, which pitcher do the, the, do the Tigers, in your opinion, have the best chance of landing? And if they do acquire a pitcher, what do you think they're going to give up for? Look, I think if we look at a guy like... You know, Dempster, this guy's phenomenal. I've raved about him for the last 10, 15 minutes about how good Dempster is. Now, when I look at the, you know, the chance for the Tigers to acquire a starter, I think their best opportunity, and it's going to be tough because they're still in it, but a James Shields at the Rays, you know, him, he's 30, up and down, seven-year career with the Rays. Stellar, oh, oh, you know, 2011 campaign, and I say stellar because he had a great ERA, you know, he was 16-12, 2.82 ERA, you know, 225 strikeouts and 33 starts. That's phenomenal. But this year... Eight and six with a four 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 ERA in nineteen starts. He's making seven million this year. He's got an option for nine million next year. Okay, we all know that Tampa has that knack for really kind of wanting to unload that big contract guy. Maybe they part ways with James Shields, and I think this is their best opportunity for the Tigers to acquire a guy like James Shields or even a Matt Garza for not necessarily too much. 
Because if you look at Dempster, yeah. who 10, 15 teams are inquiring about with this wild card race, which is ballistic. You know, the Tigers have to give up maybe Turner or Castellanos, which I, you know, they really don't want to do. Yeah. So, but, but but before you go on there, they, they really don't want to do that. But let's go back to maybe the, the trade that we got Miguel Cabrera and Dontrell Willison. They gave up Cameron Mabin. They uh, gave up everyone. A flurry of other prospects. But look what those guys matched out, maxed out. They didn't really reach their potential. So Absolutely. if they do acquire a pitcher such as a Cole Hamels or, or, or James Shields, as you were saying, comparing these prospects compared to Mabin and all those guys, do these prospects in your eyes, Jacob Turner and, and Castellanos, have a better chance of maxing out than those those previous prospects? Yes, and, and and I've looked at each, you know, what they've all done. And we look at Mabin. Mabin's been everywhere. He's been in Florida. Now he's in San Diego covering that center field. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to give away those prospects, here's what I would argue with you. Yep. If you give away those prospects, you better give them away for someone like Cole Hamels. But we all know how Cole Hamels got the rumors for going out west. He's practically in a Dodger uniform right now. Yeah. But if you give away those prospects— you need to acquire someone like a Cole Hamels. You don't want to give those away for someone like James Shields, the guy who's just kind of up and down. So maybe you want to give a mid-level prospect, maybe some a start, you know, someone back, maybe a smiley back. Okay. Kind of like what they did with Fister, kind of acquiring Fister, kind of on the cheap. Fair argument, fair argument. That's what they need. Okay, very, very, very. No, that's a very good argument. But if you do want to argue with Anthony or myself, feel free to call in 517-432-3893 or tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap. What position do the Tigers need to do and and really act quick on before the trade deadline rolls around? But now, moving on to this Tiger team currently, we saw Prince Fielder win the home run derby. Mm-hmm. We saw Justin Verlander start, and coming back from that home run derby and All Star break, Verlander pitches a great a great game the other day. You know, eight innings, shutout innings, better than All Star game, better than the All Star game significantly. And Prince Fielder getting his average, but now above the 300. You know, he's hitting 301. He's he's had hits in every game so far back. Are you a little worried, Anthony, about 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 a guy like Prince Fielder and, and a pitcher like Justin Verlander? Do you think these guys are going to hold up for the second half of the season? Absolutely. I mean, this is why this is why the Tigers pay this guy the big dollars. I mean, I'm kind of shocked we're actually having the conversation of, is Prince Fielder going to hold up? The only thing we should be worried about Prince Fielder is his weight going to hold up. Let's be honest. This guy hits home runs. This guy's batting 301. The guy's not necessarily, you know, a 300 hitter, but he's hitting 301. Sure. He's got 64 RBIs. That's sixth in the American League. Sure. But there's one thing I do want to mention that, yes, he is hitting 64 RBIs. He is above 300. But there's one thing that I really do look at with Prince Fielder, and that's his slugging percentage and, his, and, and how many home runs he's hitting. Okay, and, that's And fair. since he came back, Prince Fielder has had zero home runs. Since completing the All-Star Derby. Yeah, it's three games back. It's very early. But do you think that this home run derby and even the All-Star game for Verlander, I mean, do you think that could maybe ruin them a little bit? I mean, I, I, I think it's a fair point. I mean, you know, being in the New York area, you know, I remember when Wright was in the home run derby a couple years ago. Right. With, uh, with Pitt in the home run derby in Pittsburgh. And he went through a slump after that, didn't he? Huge slump. Huge slump. But here's my argument. David Wright is not a home run hitter. Prince Fielder is. Prince Fielder gets to pay the big dollars to win the home run derby. You're right. And here's my argument against it. When he won the when he won the home run derby, what was it? 08, I yep. believe it was. Right. The guy hits 34 home runs. So he'll get, and he had 102 RBIs. So when I look at him, he will get his home run numbers. The guy is right now, he's batting slugging. You know, he's slugging 500, batting 301, on base 380. Okay, it could be higher. But you know what? When I see Prince Fielder... The guy is playing good baseball. And you know what? You got to love with him. You want to talk about someone who's still in home runs? Let's talk about Miggy. Miggy, the guy hits home runs. Every- <laughs> the guy hits home runs everywhere. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, no, very true. But if you feel free, call in 517-432-3893. Is this derby going to really ruin Prince? 
Anthony, you know, being from New York, he does have that David Wright experience. So, to be fair in that aspect, Prince could easily hit a couple home runs next game. So, so we will see what happens with that. But we do want to talk with the very own Jersey man himself about the NHL for a second because okay. his, his New Jersey Devils make it to the Stanley Cup Finals and then unfortunately go through a very unfortunate loss of that LA King team. But Brutal. There, there, are, there are many talks right now. Um, in NHL free agency going on with the both the Devils and the Detroit Red Wings. The Devils, I know, looking at maybe a, a new scoring opportunity, especially with the departure of Parise. So, Anthony, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that and what you think they're going to do? Well, when I, when I look at the Devils, I think the Devils, you know, Lou Lamorello being in the Hockey Hall of Fame this year, great GM, you know, great GM, Wings fans, you got Kenny Holland, he's, you know, he's, you know, he's first class. Um, but when I look at New Jersey, I see what New Jersey needs to do. Obviously, they have a knack for filling in. You know, Henrique is starting to come up into that score. You know, one of the best fourth line in the NHL. They bring those guys back. But they still need a score. And I think the Devils should really give a look to someone like Alexander Semin. Give this guy a look. This guy, you know, you put him with Kovalchuk. They both know Russian, if that matters. You know, we all know that, you know, nationalities and where you're from yeah. really does matter in the NHL. But I think they really got to add someone to score like Semin. Their D is solid. You know, unlike the Wings. You know, the Wings D right now is very questionable. Wings fans, you need some defense. Right. So, so the reason I ask, you, I ask you about the Devils is because a team like the Devils who are going for a Semin or, or maybe even being involved with like a Rick Nash trade. I mean, that, that'd be that, deep. That, that'd be very deep. But a guy like you who knows about what the Devils are looking for and now... You look at this Detroit Red Wing team, mm-hmm. who has had a flurry of losses this offseason. What, what player do they need to make, especially with what you know about the Devils, and, and what, what are they going to be like next year? Is, is this team going to be the same as they, they were at, at, at they were, you know, this, these past, this past decade? I mean, you know, when I look at the Devils, I see, I see the Devils. I see the Devils, you know what? Last year, they didn't even make the playoffs. Okay, this year they make, you know, they make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. This team has made, you know, made the playoffs 20 of the last 22 seasons. That's very exceptional. Wings fans, you have a streak beyond belief. You know, the Wings can play. But when I look at the Wings, the Wings right now are at a point where they need to acquire someone. The Devils do things differently than the Wings do. The Devils like to re-sign their house and then go to the free agent market. Unfortunately, the Red Wings didn't do that, and they're paying the price. They lose out on Suter. They lose out on Parise. And Parise, it happened, said, he said in a conference, he was never considering Detroit, ever. Wow. That's big. You know, he's considering Detroit? No. Suter was. Suter was in between Detroit and Nashville. Parise, Minnesota, New Jersey. So Wings fans, you know, the Wings definitely need defense. You know, they let Hoodler go. I thought they should have re-signed Jerry, Yuri Hoodler. Yeah, that was tough. And, and on top of who, of, of top, on top of Hoodler, they did let you know Timo Pekanen, who had was had so much potential. And now he's going back to play in Europe. So yeah, they, I mean, they lose that that you know that 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 young scouting system that they they bring all these these foreign players. I up. mean, they're so. I mean, I mean, the Wings. I mean, it bothers me. It bothers me being such a big hockey fan, and you know Detroit. You know, if you don't if you don't go deep in the playoffs, your season is a bust. But Detroit has done absolutely nothing except sign Gustafson, yeah. <laughs> who will back up Jimmy Howard when he probably lets in a couple goals. But I like Jimmy, so don't get on me for that. Right. Um, you know, they have done really nothing to say we're the Wings, we're going to make a statement again. They lose these guys, and they haven't re-signed really anyone. You know, and it bothers me because Detroit. Do you th- first? Of all, let me ask you this, House. Do you think Detroit will be good this year? Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna say they're gonna be terrible, and the reason for that is terrible. Wow, we've seen the dead wing era back, you know, back in the '70s and, and, and early '80s, and when I when we when we compare those kind of situations, 
the the old Red Wings, they had a flurry of talent, and, and as soon as a lot of their guys departed, whether it be retirement or, or trades or, or contract disputes, we saw the Dead Wings era come into place. And with a guy like Lidstrom, with with guys like Dotsuk and Zetterberg, yeah, they're going to be staying for a little bit, but with a guy like Lidstrom and that defense, not acquiring one player so far, at this current point in time, I'm going to say they're going to be probably in the last two places in the division. And I'm for sure. And and besides besides for the fact that yeah they haven't really made any acquisitions, how they're going to step up into place, it, it really comes now down to coaching. And yes, the Detroit Red Wings do have one of the top coaches they in do. the league. And when when the Wings did have Scotty Bowen back then, that was the time that that they really took to hone in all of their potential and really max out in the playoffs. So yeah, this team always has a chance of winning a Stanley Cup based on their coaching alone. But with their pure talent alone right now. They're not going to do very well, but I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, I th- personally, I think they're going to have. I think they're going to struggle a little bit. I mean, there's been, you know, the, their division is very competitive, and not only is the Central competitive, but the West is competitive, and I think that's really something to look at. Let's just look at their division for a second, Alex. Okay, St. Louis is good. Sure, you know they're very good. They have a great tandem, Halak. You know. Elliott, they've done well. They've done well. Okay. Nashville, I know they lose Suter, but they're still competitive. Pecorine is very good. Okay. And then you have the Wings in there. Okay. And the Wings, you know, and 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 I list those three teams because I think, in my opinion, those are the top three teams in that, you know, that division. But, you know, I see the Wings. I think the win, I mean, I don't want to put a win number on them, but I want to say they get in between 90 and 93 points. And the reason why I'm saying that is because, you know, their defense was spotty, and Howard doesn't do well on a spotty D. Their defense is now spotty. Yeah. You lose, you lose a, a 25. You know, Yuri Hudler has a career year. You let him go to Calgary. That's not something you should do. You got to resign these guys. They were so pocket committed to Parise and Suter, they let him go. I do see your point. Hudler did have a career year. You 25 goals. Sure, you don't let a guy like that go. But with with a guy like Hudler, if they did hold him, they would not be able to move, make him any move for a premium defenseman in the league. I think they could. They had the cap space. I mean, I mean, you, you, I think the Wings were in position where you resign, you know, Hudler, and then when you make a play for Suter. I know Wings fan, they're coveting Parise. Now they want to covet Nash. But we talked about how good the Wings are developing players. They are known for that. Now they're pocketed to almost, do they get a Rick Nash and unload everyone for Rick Nash? And, I, you know, I see it right now. You know, Housen, you know, the GM of the Blue Jackets, he wants forwards in return for Nash. Right. What forward are the Wings giving up? Right, are they going to give up Flapula? Like, there, there, is, there, there aren't many possibilities they can They're not giving up Zetterberg. But what about a guy like Shane Doan? I mean, Shane Doan can easily like sign him. with this team. I like that. They, the, the Red Wings are notorious for taking these veteran players that are in their late 30s looking mm-hmm. to win a cup. So, I mean, if they really piece a Shane Doan together with maybe a Jay Bomeister, you know, late in the training block, I think they really could make a slight run, but... Even if they do get Bowmeister and Shane Doan, I don't think this team still has it at all. I mean, look, you add Dome, that helps. For sure, it helps, Alex. And I love, I, I would love an acquisition of Dome, but Jay Mister, you know, those would be great acquisitions, I think. But when it comes down to it, wings are all about winning, okay? Yep. And do those acquisitions separate you from the rest? I say no. Well, let's ask the listeners. Feel free to call in. 517-432-3893. Does that separate you for the West? Is this a new Dead Wings era? Is this... This is still hockey town. Come this on. This is still hockey town. The New, G- the New Jersey Devils are still the hockey town of the Eastern Conference in my eyes. So, <laughs> but but, but, but for all talks here, you did say you, you love Jimmy Howard. No disrespect to Jimmy Howard at all. But there was an article that came out today about Dominic Hasek making wow. maybe an early return. And... And his agent came out today, and, and he was very high on Dominic Hasek. 
He said he's done all of the stuff you'd expect a NASA scientist to do before they go into a venture like this. He's measured his reflexes, he's measured his reaction time, and it's identical to what it was at the time he won a number of Vezina trophies. He's actually 1.6 pounds off of his playing weight at the Nagano Olympics in 1998. This is what his agent came out and said today. So, you have Rick, we have Rich Winters coming out and, and saying that Dominic Hashish still can play at 48 years old, all these tools. One, do you see him coming back? And two, what team and does he have an impact at all? Okay, first of all, I don't see this guy coming back. Dominic Hasek, you're one of the greatest goalies to ever play in NHL. You're a Venza Trophy count. And that takes a lot to say, and that's a lot considering to say. a Brodeur guy. Yeah, I'm a huge Brodeur guy for all, you know, for obvious reasons. That's a huge statement. But Dominic Hasek, you've won Venzas, you know, down the line. You've you've been you've made great saves, Dominator, you're incredible. We know this. But that being said, Alex, Hasek, I don't think he comes back. You're 47. He doesn't have it. This isn't blast from the past. This isn't 0-2. He's not winning cups for you boys anymore. You know what I'm saying? But that being said, okay, Hashik is, in my opinion, just done. He can't, you know, when you're trying to contact teams, teams are supposed to contact you. But when you're contacting teams, you don't have much of constituents out there. The Sabres today say, no thank you to Hashik. A polite decline, you know. But the 47-year-old, you know, he's trying, you know, this guy, you know, he can, he can play, but you know what? His, his good years are past him. I don't see him making an impact on any team. But, any team. So I, I do agree with the fact that his years are past him, his prime years. But this guy, I mean, to me, he, he still has the heart. And and if you do see him coming back, what if he goes to a playoff team that maybe has an injured goalie and they're in need of maybe a veteran playmaker to step in? Like, what kind of impact can that have? I think I think you I can totally see this scenario playing out. A team like Chicago... Down the line, you know, Emery, Crawford, their situation is so up in the air. You know, they tried to make a play on Berdur. Berdur took less money to go back to Jersey. So they're obviously in need of a goaltending situation, and they have no problem with acquiring 40-year-olds. So I look at down the line, maybe like an Abakoff situation where the Wings tried to acquire an Abakoff a couple years ago, but the Islanders claim him off waivers. I look at him and I say, you know what? Maybe down the line I could see him going to a Chicago for a late-season rush. But someone like Hashik needs to play maybe... You know, in the NHL where the competition high, this is in the KHL, where he had seven shutouts when he was 45 in the KHL. Right. That's pretty significant, but that's the KHL. Sure. So I could see him maybe playing like 30 to 40 games, you know, not starting, but, you know, on a team for that amount of time and, you know, getting a couple starts in to really help out and maybe make a push in the playoffs. That is it. I can't see him being a whole year. Even Marty, my guy, he right. can't do it no longer. Okay, fair enough. Well, let's go to the phones and see. You are on the Spartan Sports Rat. Hey, it's uh, Nate. Um, I just wanted to call. With, I just wanted to hear you guys are talking about Dominic Hasek. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, do you think Hasek's going to be able to play a couple games? Do you think he's going to get signed? Anthony. Well, I hear. Well, Nate, I'll tell you this. Um, great to have you on, by the way. But you know, I'll tell you this. I think Hasek. You know. At 45 in the KHL, he was signed, and he had seven shutouts. I mean, quote yeah. Johan Hedberg, he said, with Hashik, you can't count anything out. So, uh, the guy, you know, the guy still has it, I say. But you know what? Do I think it, he signs right now in this offseason? No. But I say right. he gets signed maybe for a team that's really desperate, like I mentioned, like a Chicago situation, getting okay. signed and making a late-season push. I can't see him going the full year. The guy's 47. All right, all right. I understood. I came in late. Um, so I just wanted to talk about more about the Red Wings and okay. a couple of things I want to bring up to you guys. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. One, what if I, I just uh, tuned in? Did you guys talk about the potential of getting Bobby Ryan? We oh. we actually didn't. Actually. We actually did not mention that. So yeah, I think I think Bobby Ryan. He's a he's a guy that you won't have to give up 
as much for as Rick Nash, and I think he's a solid, he's a solid player, really younger than Nash, and um, you know, being from a, a team like the Ducks, I can't see him really, you know, making the Stanley Cup push. But coming to a team like the Wings, who I expect probably next season to repeat their second round uh, failure. Uh, but if, if we could get a guy like Bobby Ryan, I think that could really jumpstart this offense. And you know what? Maybe push Edinburgh and Datsuk to mm-hmm. have up their playoff performances, including France, too. You know, I'm going to have to agree with Nate. You know, Alex, think about it. Nate makes a good point here. I'm looking at Bobby Ryan right now. The guy last year for an abysmal Anaheim team. The Anaheim was terrible. 31 goals, 26 assists, 57 points. I mean, the guy is a scorer. I mean, yeah. you know what? He's from actually, he's a Jersey guy from Cherry Hill. <laughs> a so, little biased, though. Maybe yeah, a little, little biased. But you know what? He's still a young kid. And I think you're right. You know, the Wings get Bobby Ryan if they can swing that deal at a 30, you know, a 30 goal score right. on your team mm-hmm. for way less right. than Rick Nash. Sure. And, and Nate, you did bring up an excellent point. But what is it besides Bobby Ryan does this need to do on defense? What's it, what's that? What does this need to? What does this team need to do on defense besides maybe adding a Bobby Ryan or, or a scorer like a Rick Nash? Yeah, you know what? With the, with the defense, you can't. I, I don't know what really else is out there. It looks like uh, all the potential trade targets. You know, there's there's not much. You say you mentioned that Jay Bowmeister, but I think you just got to trust it. They put in a lot of money with Jonathan Erickson, who not many people are a fan of. It seems like to me with the wings, Nate, I think what they want to do is I feel like at this point now they miss on Suter. I feel like now they're kind of holding up to see which Shea Weber. What's his exactly. deal next year? Because right now, I think the Wings, you know, they really, you know, they struck out with, you know, they really struck out with Suter. But I think, okay. you know, the Wings got to really, I think Kenny Allen will patch something up for you guys. I could totally see the Wings kind of patchwork defense, but they need defense. This team needs right. defense, and they got to acquire someone because you mentioned Cromwell. He's great. Erickson, not so much, in my opinion. So I definitely think they got to acquire someone to even, you know, they're in such a tough, you're such a tough division, let alone conference. You have to go through so many teams now in the West versus the East. I think they really got to make a defensive stand, Alex. I mean, what do you say? Yeah, no, I I, I do agree. No, I I completely agree. And like I said, I think that next year you guys are talking about what they're going to do next year. I think it's going to be a repeat. They might come in as a five, six seed. If they're lucky, get through the first round and, you know what? If getting... they're lucky, <laughs> is this Detroit we're talking about, getting out first round or what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, we, I mean we, we, we snuck by the past couple of years and then we get to the second round and kind of get our butts kicked 4-1, I think, the past two seasons. Yeah, that's series. correct. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention a great show and, uh, yeah, enjoy the last five minutes. Thanks, Nate, for calling in. But while we have you on the line, I know you tuned in late here. You made some excellent points about the Wings so far. But back to our question of the week. The question of the week this week, and you got it right last week. So I want to ask you and see if you can maybe piece some puzzles, you know, piece a little puzzle together on who this dream. So the question this week is who was the starting five with players and position names on the 1992 Dream Team? Can you name that starting lineup? I'll go... uh... Uh, Michael Jordan. Okay. Okay. Uh, Magic Johnson. Yeah. Oh, you got two. Larry Bird. Yep. Three. Oof. I'll go. Uh, Who's that? 
It was that front court. It wasn't Patrick, it wasn't Patrick Ewing, was it? It was. It so was, that's okay. Four. All right, and uh, I'll go Charles Barkley. Oh, wow. so tough. Four out of five. Man. Oh, man. So close. But good effort, Nate. That's, that's no, tough. No, Nate, in, in future weeks, we will have some potential prizes. So, thank God this was a little, this was a practice round here for you. So, so in future <laughs> weeks, I know you will definitely look forward to getting one right. For sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll be calling in. For sure, Nate. Thanks for calling in, Nate. Thanks for calling in, And Nate. I'll definitely look forward to having you as a guest in the coming weeks as well. Of course. All right, Nate. Take care now. Again, you are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. We are coming and closing now within the last couple minutes of the show. We've got our special guest of the day, Fino himself. And, of course, you know, repping his devils, you know, wearing... Unfortunately, not today. He's not wearing no, no devil. devil's gear today. No but, devil's you know, gear October today. will come soon enough. I promise. That's right. But to close out the show, we always have our goons of the week. And Anthony, I mean, you've seen some bad baseball calls this week. But to start, I do want to talk about a baseball play that happened recently with Sean Figgins. Sean Figgins was sliding into second base and tries grabbing the leg. Never of, seen it of the second baseman. Never th- seen it. throwing the ball to first on a double play ball. So. This is something Sean Figgins hitting 185 this year. He, you know, he's had 35 million over the four years. You know, for he, he did not play well at all, and now he went 0 for one, two strikeouts in the game, and tries grabbing the guy's leg while sliding into second base in order for him to not make the double play. Appalling. I mean, great. I mean, you've never seen anything like this. I've well, never. I mean, I go to baseball. I've never seen anything like but, this. But this is a guy, Sean Figgins, who who has been quiet in the media, has not had much controversy, but. What what is the what is a more of a worse play compared to something like this? I mean, I've honestly, I've never seen this play ever. <laughs> I mean, the amount of baseball, you know, the amount of baseball plays I've seen recently. I mean, you want to talk about a rough weekend of MLB? I mean, let's talk about how bad the umpiring was. Sure. I mean, that was terrible. I mean, and that you know, I'm gonna go far and say that's my goon of the week. You know, okay? <laughs> um, just the umpiring that I've I've watched over the you know over the last couple games. Okay, and even looking at it. And what about even Bryce Harper? I mean, the Bryce Harper, I don't, care. I don't know if you guys have the Bryce Harper incident with Ozzie Guillen, but with the pine tar, I think that was a play on Ozzie Guillen. I'm not as big as fan, per se, but you know what? He's trying to intimidate the rookie a little bit, you know, and, uh, you know, Harper flattered a little bit. David Johnson had choice words after, but I'm just going overall. I mean, I'm watching the Mets. Terry Collins getting ejected two days ago. Okay, their pitcher goes Dan Warden. He even gets ejected last night. So I just see, you know, the, the umpiring and MLB, and that's just a small serving. Okay, the umpiring has just been so abysmal of late. I just think instant replay is definitely on the horizon. No balls and strikes, but the, just the calls that I've seen. You know, that one call that was, he wasn't even on the bag. He was like, yay far. Right. I mean, come on. I'd, you know, Goon of the Week for sure is the MLB umpires, without a doubt. Fair enough, fair enough. The MLB umpires being the Goons of the Week. But we are now closing to the end of the show. I want to appreciate those who are calling in and tweeting in. A shout-out to David DeFever, who is gone this week, tweeting in. Chia, chia. And if a team picks up Hashik, it's going to be a waste of money and epic fail. David DeFever, the hockey avid fan himself, declaring Dominic Hashik. And he's agreeing with you. So props to David DeFever for tweeting in. But no one still tweeted in the, the starting five of that 90, 1992 Dream Team. So if you do know the answer, yes, it is the end of the show. Feel free to tweet at us at 89FM Sports Wrap. Again, that's at 89FM Sports Wrap for our annual question of the week. But I want to thank Anthony for coming into the studio today. Thank you so much. Great. Great being here, man. Of course, you had some great talk, you had some great topics, some great opinions, and 
And we'll, we, we will be back next week again for another Monday of the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Have a good week, everyone. Take care, and happy Monday as usual. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.